0: grace and peace to you. And welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. 10. And today we will continue in this series in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's a study in the first letter to Corinth. Today we are in chapter 12 where Paul talks about spiritual gifts. So if everybody gets a good and perfect gift from the Father, What is mine? What am I supposed to do with it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. And if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do today. It's a place to give at Today Today's part two of the message called, You Are Gifted. Pastor Sean is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Our gifts are not exclusively to serve the church. They are to serve the church, but not exclusively serve the church. But they are always within the context of Christian community. This is so important. Our gifts are supposed to be kind of operated. We're supposed to operate together in our gifts, the context of Christian community. There's so many good things that come when we operate our gifts and we're part of the family. When we're not, we miss out on a lot of the development of our gifts that's available to us. Spiritual gifts are not about what you can do, but who you can serve. Now, let's talk about this, and let's make a couple points. Number one, the Christian life is a life of service. So this is baseline, but I think it needs to be said. The Christian life is a life of service. We think, well, wait a minute. No, no, no. I thought it was a life of salvation. Yes, it is. It is. It is. But we sometimes think, well, then that means it's all about me and what I receive from God and nothing else. I want to say to you, if you are not engaged in serving, you're not receiving everything that God has for you. You are missing out. The Christian life is a life of service. Mark 10, 42 through 45, Jesus called them together. He said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, Some of you may still have some of the old wristbands or you know, clothing or whatever that says, the WWJD. What would Jesus do? You want to know what Jesus would do? Jesus would serve. That's what he said. He said, that's why I'm here, to give my life as a ransom, to give my life in service to the body, to mankind, so that they can find life in Christ. And he's saying, you want to be great? You want to be a great follower of mine? Become a servant. I want to suggest, not only is it what God has created and designed us for, we can't even grow if we aren't people who understand and walk in this opportunity for service. There's opportunity for service. If we don't be, if we aren't people who have, we have this opportunity, we have this direction, and we operate in service, we're people whose spiritual growth will be stunted. See, spiritual health requires that we are people who not only take in, you know, we commune with the Lord, we listen through prayer and the word and through teaching. It's like feeding, that's like eating, and that's a wonderful thing. It's like feasting at the table of God, feasting in his spirit and communing with him, and it is a beautiful, wonderful thing. It's like feeding your spirit. Service is like exercise and activity. And you and I both know what happens if we like eat all the time and never have any exercise or activity. God didn't intend for you to swell like a tick until you explode. The bottom line is service is like exercise and activity, and no service will always lead to spiritual atrophy. I'm telling you, you want to grow, if you feel a little stale in your faith, you're kind of in a place where you're like, I, I, I just don't feel like anything new is happening. I challenge you, get involved and serve. It's like it opens up a pipeline or something. And it's not like God's somehow holding back on you, like, oh, I'm not giving you anymore, you lazy thing. I just think when we start to serve, it's like something opens up. Like all of a sudden, I need new infusion that I didn't need before I served. I need new wisdom, and so I seek it, and the Spirit is there. I get to see God work. I've seen so many people come alive through a missions trip, through serving here in church, through through ministering. I've just seen God do crazy, amazing things through people serving. And all of a sudden, they begin to grow and mature. People whose growth had been hindered all of a sudden begin to mature exponentially. Because now, they're not, it's not just theory. They're not just, just kind of taking it all in, but they're giving some of it out. And it makes, it's almost like it makes room for new insight, new growth. And if we just store it all up, it's like there's no more room. We have limited capacity. We've got to give some away. I think it's a powerful, powerful understanding of service. The Christian life is a life of service. There's all kinds of ministries that you can get involved with. Not exclusively here, but there are lots of ministries here that we can serve. Do you realize right now there is a whole group of people who are ministering to our children? They are not babysitters. They are ministers. And they are discipling the children of this fellowship. I have to tell you something. A lot of people will come and they will compliment Lori or I on our kids. And I, I'm very grateful for that. Ryan and Lauren, you know, they were two of the ones who were leading us in worship this morning. And I'm so grateful that they are serving the Lord and they are following him. And that is not something I take lightly. And they will come and they'll say to Lori and I, hey, you guys did a great job. And, and we appreciate that. We appreciate that, that affirmation. But you got to know those kids are a product of this church. You understand that? They're a product of what God did through this ministry. There are children's ministry people who are still here today who took care of our kids and didn't just take care of them but discipled them as children in our children's ministry. There are youth ministry people as our kids got older who befriended them and and affirmed what we were teaching them in our home. You know, our role was we made sure they were there, Right? So sometimes there were, if there was a little boot print on their butts, it's because we made them, you know, we, I don't want to go to church. Too bad. Life's hard. Then you die. Okay? <laughs> we're followers of Jesus. We're, parts of the, we're part of the family. That's what we're going to do. Okay? And so we, we, did, we did play that part. But then so many people invested. And do you know how powerful it is when other people affirm what mom and dad are saying? Because mom and dad, that's our job. And we do become we become the Charlie Brown parents, right? Parents, you know what I'm talking about. But when some youth ministry person who's known him for five minutes says it, now it's cool. Oh man, my youth sponsor said that. I'd said it like 50 times to him, but no, now it's gospel because you know 80 in youth ministry said it. Do you know how grateful I am for those people who took time invested in our kids and affirmed? There are people right now who are doing that. They are not babysitting. They are discipling. And they are investing in the leader. And it's not just our kids. Do you know how many young leaders are around River City serving ministry who were raised up through this children's ministry and then this youth ministry? That's key. Those people are frontline disciples, and I am grateful for them. How about, how about the fact that people come to River City, they have fun and they feel welcome. Do you know there's a whole team of guest services, people led by Lana Averill and her team, You know, they have what we call, Lana was in the first service, so were some of her people. They have what we call the whoop factor, because they go whoop. You know what I'm talking about if you've been on that team. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just saying those people give of their time, they are trained, they have to show up. And because of that, our guests come and they have a great experience. They feel welcome. There are cart drivers to bring them up, there are people to greet them, they have all the resources they need. And that doesn't just happen. There's people who said, I'll serve. I will give of myself to help what's happened with his body. Worship team. Do you know these people got to show up? They got to be here ready to play at 7.30 in the morning. They're musicians. They hate that. (laughs) Musicians don't like early morning. We know this, right? This is not a, a big mystery. But these love Jesus more than they love sleep. And so they show up. And they use their gifts, their talents, their abilities, and they serve us, leading us into the Lord's presence and and pointing us to the Father and making us allowing us to see his glory and maybe a different with a different facet, like a different facet of a jewel than we've seen before. And they they serve us that way. And I could go on and on. There's people all over. We we love real-life Christian assistance. I love that ministry. You just heard Leslie found a way. But wait a minute, what we're doing with Real Life Christian Assistance can help what we're doing over here with no strings attached because there's just a need for food. And we got a great group of folks, Rick and Linda Markenthal and Lana's involved with them, and Willie Mayfield oversees that group. And there's tons of volunteers who are packing boxes and are going to the San Antonio Food Bank and all this stuff. This doesn't happen without people saying, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to use my gifts. It happens all over this place. And then what you're going to do right after service, you're going to go out and you see a whole bunch of local partners that we can serve with and minister with. There's people with international experiences that they've gone and served. In India, and in Puerto Rico, in West Africa. It's when you, this is where the action is. That's why we come alive when we serve. There's something about knowing, I'm changing the world for Jesus <laughs> because I'm, I'm helping to fan the flames of his work in one person's life or in five people's lives. Christian life is a life of service. What that means is spiritual gifts enable you to serve with a different power. Spiritual gifts are not about what you can do, but about who you can serve.
0: Let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called, You Are Gifted. It's in the series on unity called One which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. In fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azarro. series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the spirit-filled life.
1: I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit.
0: Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion of the message: You are gifted. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Second thing, really important, spiritual gifts enable you to serve with a different power. They enable you to serve with a different power. And this is kind of the fun part we get in because it's kind of like superpowers, right? Not superpowers, but spiritual powers, okay? You don't get to wear a costume, a cape, or a mask, but you, ha- you get to wear a mask. Everybody gets to wear a mask today. Why'd you have to bring that up? Now y'all bum me out. Spiritual gifts do, though, they enable you to serve with a different power. Now, this is not talents, okay? I want you to understand that talents are different. Talents are natural gifts, and we all have them, and they are a gift from God every bit as much, right? But a talent is something natural every person has. Spiritual gifts only believers who are filled with the Spirit have. Some people say, well, I, I'm a musician. That's my spiritual gift. No, it's not. That's a talent, and it's a, an important talent that God will use. You know, I'm really good with my hands, with arts and crafts, and I'm, uh, at, that's, that's my spiritual gift. I think God can use that, but that's a talent. Spiritual gifts are different. They are unique spiritual giftings that God gives, and they allow you to minister in a different way than others. It's a new level of effectiveness that you'll have as you begin to serve, and you begin to notice, hey, there's something about it. When I encourage people, something happens, and they actually go do something different. Maybe I have the gift of encouragement. When I teach the Word, people people see it differently. Maybe I have the gift of teaching. The gift of prophecy, people are like, oh, now you're going to get weird, Sean, aren't you? The, the gift of prophecy, it, it, we, we think of it as, as foretelling the future. Technically, the gift of prophecy is just saying what God said to say. That's what the gift of a prophet is. Now, because God knows the future, he, might be, he could tell someone to say something, I'm going to do this in the future, and I guess there would be that sense of foretelling. So it can foretell the future if that's what God chooses to say through someone. But it doesn't have to. It is simply saying what God has laid on the person's heart to say. And some people have that, that unique gifting and operate in that. Now, all kinds of different gifts. Help, service, the gift of giving, generosity, all different spiritual gifts. But what you, when you discover your gifts, you begin to operate in them, you notice there's a whole new level of effectiveness. Something works. It just works differently because you're not doing it in your own strength. You're doing it in a different spiritual power. I do want to encourage you. Discover your spiritual gifts and then serve in them and you will, you will find an effectiveness in that area of giftedness that you have not seen before. See, they're not about what you can do, they're about who you can serve. Third thing, spiritual gifts give direction to your service. It's really important. They give direction to your service. Romans 12, four through eight, listen to what he writes, what Paul writes here. He says, just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully see your spiritual gifts will determine where you serve and he's encouraging you serve in that area of giftedness it gives direction one of the things i want to point out your gifts will always be connected to your vision be connected to your vision and this is so important so much kind of division happens in churches because they don't understand this principle that we're about to talk about the idea that your gifts and your vision are connected So people come in and they'll look at something and say, oh my gosh, that needs to happen. We're not doing that well as a church. We need to do that. Somebody ought to do something like that. And what they do is they go find a leader and start telling them, you know, the church, I'm really upset because the church doesn't do this. And often they find me and tell me about this, okay? And they want me to go do this. When people come to me and say, you know what, we need to do this, what they mean is you need to do this or you need to have someone do this. And what really they should be looking at is when God starts to stir something, and I want you to consider this. Now, not every idea that pops into our head is necessarily from God. But you need to understand your gifts help shape your vision. So if you see something, you're in the body, and you're walking, and you see something, then you go, man, nothing's happening there. And that's not right. Somebody ought to do something about that. Let me just tell you, I think you're right. And that somebody is you. Ooh, now you're meddling, Sean. Yes, I am. But seriously, just understand. Because here's what happens: we have unique spiritual gifts, and we look and we see things that should be done because our gifts are just kind of tuned in and honed into that particular thing. The voice of God's Spirit talks to us in those areas of gifting, and we see that. And we look out around at everybody else and look at these lazy carnal people. Am I the only spiritual one here? Woe to this church! I mean, that's what we do. We get like that. Instead of recognizing that they all have vision, they all have gifts, and their vision and their gifts are probably leading them in a different direction. And that's absolutely fine. Now, if nobody's doing anything, well, you know, that's not good. But what I'm saying to you is instead of judging everybody else because I see this need and nobody's doing anything about it, you can fix that real easily. Say, I'm going to do something about that. You can volunteer, you can talk to a leader, you can say, wow, this is something God's put in my heart, how could I carry that out? And I, I wanna tell you something. I've told people, there have been people who said, man, God's given me this vision for this, and we need to do this, da, da, da. And, and we as a church aren't ready. Now this doesn't happen a lot, because we as a church, you can tell, we do a lot of different stuff. And we can pretty much find a place for everybody to do something. But there have been a couple times where someone says, we need a ministry like this, and I've said we're not ready for that. And I had, had to say it. we're not prepared. We don't. We as a, as pastors and as elders, we're we're not ready to walk into that. And if you believe that's what God has for you, then you need to connect with a church that that's that's their heart and that's their unique call. And I'll help you find one if you need. And, and I mean that. I mean that because we're, not, we're, we're called to do a certain set of things. And there may be something that someone is called to do and they just go, this church just isn't called to do that. And I just want to say, if God's leading you to do that, you need to do it. Okay, you've got to follow the voice of the Lord. Take leadership, take coaching, but there might be sometimes, and again, this hasn't happened much here because of all the different areas where we, we partner and we feel called to minister and connect. But there may be a thing you know, example. Some people said, "You know, we we need to have we we need to have every Sunday we need to have a traditional choir up there with an organ and robes." And I, my first reaction is, "No, we don't." But to be honest with you, I have had people who really sincerely they say, "I think this fills a role. I think there's a, a, a way in worship and, and all these things." And I've said, "You know what?" Here's some churches in town that I know teach the word and I think are more traditional than us and they and they feel called to minister in that way. You should check that out. If that's the drive, if that is something in you that is so driving, don't miss it. Because it may be a, a sign that you need to be somewhere else. Now, most things, again, we've got so many different partners and so many different things that are happening. We, we've not had that be an issue much. But I, I'm just saying, you you've got to do it God's. God's put in your heart to do, and you've got to stop judging others who aren't doing that. That's really important. See, your gifts will help direct your vision. And I want to encourage you, follow that because you'd be amazed at how God brings effectiveness in life. Spiritual gifts are not about what you can do, but about who you can serve. And this and this last one is so important. I want you to hear this because this would, again. Stop so many struggles that people have. Number four, your gifts were designed to work in community. Your gifts were designed to work in community. I want to read some more from 1 Corinthians 12, because a big part of this is a powerful illustration of the importance of the body and how the church works together. Beginning at verse 12, Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make any less part of the body. It's almost like he he says, would it? It wouldn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members. Listen, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. He points out powerfully, we belong to one another. I want to say to you, Christian family is important, and I believe we belong to one another as a family. And he says, we need each other. The hand can't say, I I don't need the foot. The eye can't say, I don't need the sense of smell or the sense of hearing. No, we need each other. And then skip down to verse 25, 1 Corinthians 12, 25 and 26, that there may be no division in the body. It's one of the main themes of the whole book but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member's honored, all rejoice together. We belong to one another. We need each other, and we care for each other. This is an unbelievable passage on how to be in community, how to be family, how to understand our connection to one another. But don't forget it's a passage about gifts. See, this is a really big point, and and I want you to grab this we talk about fullness of the spirit i want everything the spirit has do you understand i can't have everything the spirit has without you because he doesn't give all of us all he doesn't give any of us all the gifts so if i want all the gifts of the spirit available and operating i'm stuck with you and good news you're stuck with me that's how it works the gifts which have caused so much division in the body of christ ironically were designed to draw us together because we need each other if i want to experience all the gifts I need you. I need the body. See, the gifts aren't exclusively for within the body, but but they're supposed to be always operating in the context of the body, even as they minister outside. Because in, in the body, I get coaching. I get encouragement in my gifts. Maybe if I get a little full of myself and start thinking, my gift's so wonderful, I've got brothers and sisters who love me, who are not afraid to hold up a mirror and help Bring me down a notch. I don't mean bring me down by tearing me down. I mean, encourage me to walk in humility because that's what family does. I get input on my gifts, I get affirmation, I get training. See, the body, we need each other. And if I want to experience all those gifts, I got to have the rest of the body. That's the power of the gifts. The gifts aren't about what you can do, they're about who you can serve. And we start by serving one another, but then together we serve the community and the world around us, and we advance the kingdom of God. That's what our gifts are for. Lord, thank you for spiritual gifts. Thank you for this fellowship. Thank you for the blessing that this fellowship has been to my family and for the way this fellowship has served our role of being discipled and discipling as a family. Lord, I just pray for every single person in this room, online, maybe on the radio, wherever we're listening to this, I pray that we would be open to what you want to say to us. Help us to hear you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue.